Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you come to the right place. There are no hard and fast rules and you don't have to call yourself anything. You're just a woman that knows something isn't working for her and you are wanting to make an intentional change. I'm Rachel Pritz and I'll walk alongside you as you learn to drink less and live more. Let's go. Okay. Welcome, Clarissa, to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is so fun to me that we met on TikTok of all places. I am in my early 40s and I feel like a fossil on TikTok most of the time. But, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing that there are a lot of my people out there. A lot of people talking yes. about similar things to us. But I think what made me reach out to you is that we have a very similar uh, story when it comes to drinking and that being that we both chose to stop drinking. It wasn't a, it was absolutely ruining our lives. Uh, we, I did not identify with the term alcoholism or even substance use disorder. I often don't even identify with the term sober necessarily. So it's just kind of, you know, I was trying to figure out what language uh, felt like it fit for me. And it felt like there were just few resources out there for um, someone like myself and, and like you who were choosing to push against societal norms and not drink or drastically cut back what we were drinking. So I would just love to hear in your words, kind of how you got to that conclusion of, okay, I think I want to really challenge this relationship with alcohol. And then we'll talk about some of the lessons learned because I want to give the listeners a little bit of that too. Um, so they can kind of see if they're early on in their journey, some of those, those, uh, wonderful things that come out of this journey that we don't expect. Also, there's a lot of hard things, you know, so I want to give them a, a realistic picture of what this could potentially look like for them. So I will turn it over yeah. to you just to share a bit of that story. Awesome. And well, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yes. Yeah, so my sober journey started in 2019. Um, in about April of 2019, my husband was just kind of in this very low place, um, kind of mentally he was struggling and he wasn't sure why. And so he decided I'm going to quit drinking. We would have like, you know, a glass or two together at night. Um, and overnight he like this haze that he was living in was lifted and he was like, I'm never going to drink again, but he put zero pressure on me, um, to quit drinking. I never felt like he was judging me or anything like that. So I continued, you know, enjoying my, um, drinks. And at the time I would say on average, I'd have a glass of wine when I was cooking dinner, I would have a glass of wine with dinner. And then once the kids got to bed, I would, I would have another glass of wine, which I think is pretty normal in today's society. Um, when you're the only one drinking though. You realize that you, uh, how much you are drinking. And so that was about a bottle a night of yeah. wine. Um, and then, you know, if I had girlfriends over during the day, and our kids would be playing and would it be uncommon for us to maybe make some mimosas or a gin and tonic. And the more that the longer I continued drinking and he wasn't drinking, 
it was magnifying like, wow, I am drinking a lot. Um, and is this serving me? Do I like who I am with this? So I remember very specifically uh, on, it was June 4th, 2019. And we are all at Trader Joe's. Um, after like we picked my son up from school, we all went to Trader Joe's to get some groceries. And I didn't have any wine in the house. And I was like, I need some wine for tonight. And my kids are off shopping with my husband and I'm in the wine section and I'm staring at it going, what can like I buy that, like will give me can the most alcohol it, without seeming, without like buying a bottle of liquor. I want to buy a bottle of wine. And I was in this really weird place. Just, I'm going, whoa, yeah. I don't like at this, this place where I'm at right now and my kids come running over and I'm, I'm like, oh, go to the checkout, go to the checkout. Um, I'll be there in a minute. And so in my mind, I'm going, okay, I don't want my kids to see what I'm doing right now. I feel kind of desperate, like desperately, what am I going to get for my wine fix tonight? Hmm. No, I don't like that. I don't like that. I need this wine fix at the end of the day. Um, I ended up grabbing a couple cans of wine, which are a can of wine equals a bottle of yes. wine. Yes. It, it's such it, it, trickery. Just, it's like, oh my it gosh. It is such yeah. trickery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, I, I, take my cans, I go to the checkout and I'm just in my mind, I'm going, I'm done. I, I don't want to be this way. I don't want my children to see me this way. Um, I don't want anything to have this kind of hold on my life and on my, like my, my thoughts and my actions. Um, so we went home. It was a beautiful sunny day sat outside, I drank that can of wine. Because <laughs> um, I'm at this point, I'm still like processing this in my mind. Like, you know, what, what do I want this to look like? What is this going to look like? Am I going to give up drinking altogether? Am I going to cut back? Like, uh, I wasn't sure at that point. Um, but I was, I knew I wanted to at least take a break. Right. And, yeah. and see what life was like without alcohol. Uh, of course I couldn't have any alcohol in the house. So I drank both those cans of wine and just, just continued that spiral of anxiety of like, what am I doing? Who am I? I can't believe I did this. I don't like this. Um, so the next day I picked up the book, this naked mind by Annie Grace. And I started, I just sat down and I started reading it. And I don't know if it's in the introduction or the first chapter where she says like, don't make a, don't say I'm going to stop drinking. Just read this book with an open mind and let the book um, kind of help form your next decision. I read maybe a chapter or two and I was sold. I was like, oh, I'm done. At least for now, like I'm done. In this season, I were 
so open to the lies of like of alcohol big alcohol company the trap that that they set by um you you realize everywhere you look you see alcohol portrayed as the answer people are celebrating in the restaurant someone got a promotion we're gonna have a drink someone died you know we're grieving let's have a drink um we're sad we're stressed everything is portrayed as um with alcohol as the solution yeah and i i just it was like my rose-colored glasses were removed and i saw alcohol for what it was and i will tell you i mean i in the past i had thought about quitting or taking breaks um and they never lasted once i made that decision i saw alcohol for what it was i never looked back yeah I had a similar experience. Actually, I have not read the book. It's this make it naked mind. Is that right? Yeah. So I just downloaded it. Cause I had a friend say, I cannot believe you have not read this book. I've read probably 10 sobriety books, you know, just out of curiosity, I would say the book that you're describing that had that profound impact was quit like a woman by Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Me. So yeah. when I was yeah. reading that, I just reading the health section. I'm like, what the heck? I have a master's degree in nursing and I don't know any of this. How is that possible? And then when she explains why we don't know any of this and that big alcohol like really does a great job of not letting us know all of these things and you know all, all the things that we've been kind of talking about but it was like it was so eye-opening to me and I kind of had a similar experience but I you know I what I I think the lesson learned for me and I think what you're sharing too is you don't have to know what's going to happen a year from now. You don't have to know what's going to happen six months from now. I started with a 30 day break, November 1st of 2019, similar to you, um, or sorry, 2020. Um, Similar to you, I had had periods of, you know, more drinking, less drinking, just depending on what was going on in my life, but certainly correlated with the level of stress that I was under. So I was at one point sitting at an executive table and that was a lot of stress, you know, and plus raising a small family and all of those things. And so I would come home and drink a whole bottle of wine every night. That felt like the solution, you know, and my husband would drink with me and it felt completely quote unquote, normal to me, you know, that felt like what like everybody else was doing, even at the executive table, they were all like, oh yeah, I killed a bottle of wine last night after that meeting, you know, that we ended our day with yesterday. And it was just normal for everyone to do that. And so it just, I, like, it was just something I just kept doing without really thinking about it. And the interesting thing is I am intentional about almost everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. And the aha was, why am I not doing that with alcohol? You know, I mean, it was just, it was, it was just a profound, a profound revelation for me. And then it was much easier. I started looking at it as not a, oh my gosh, this is a treat. I looked at it as like, no, this is harming me. You know, mm-hmm. it no longer felt like a treat. And so the craving for alcohol after the first 30 days, I won't, I mean, I won't lie the first, like probably two weeks of that 30 day break, I still craved alcohol. Um, which is kind of how it's designed, you know, and it's what it does to our bodies, you know? And so it was like, yeah, like I still wanted wine. I still craved it. And I distracted myself in order to, you know, not drink, I clean out a closet, do whatever. And I think that's a great strategy in the first, maybe 30 days after that, you got to figure out a way to actually just get rid of the cravings. Right. And so like, that's a whole journey for sure. I had to feel a lot of feelings that I hadn't felt in a while because I sort of drowned, drowned those out with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Not just the negative ones though. So that was another huge lesson learned is I was limiting the amount of joy that I could experience with alcohol. Yeah. And that was yeah. mind blowing to me. 
I started looking at my kids with this like overflowing love for them. And I'm like, oh, that's where that was. You know, <laughs> I knew that was there. And that I had really like, so like, you know, dumbed that down or how, I don't know how else to say it, but I had really, yeah, I'd really kind of fizzled that, that those really great emotions out. And I hated that. So I was like, okay, yeah. like this is, I am willing to tackle these harder emotions <laughs> in order to get more of that. Cause I need more of that. So, uh, so I'll pause there. I mean, I think we kind of have a similar, we kind of had this, like, you know, we're just not going to do that anymore. Not everybody has that experience for sure. And a lot of people ask me how I do that. So, um, like how I walk, walk clients through it. One of the big things I think is self-love and self-compassion. I think there's so much need for that, especially for women. We just beat ourselves up about everything and no wonder with motherhood comes in, Oh, you know what? You probably need wine to deal with that. There's so many things we, we deal with stress, overwhelm, exhaustion, mom guilt. That was a huge reason why I drank. Cause I hated that feeling that yes. I didn't do enough today. I didn't play enough games with them. I wasn't engaged enough. I was on my phone too much. Like I just, I wanted to check out of all of that. So I would just be curious um, to hear from you kind of, I know you said like, I don't want my kids to see me like this. I don't want my kids to be like seeing this sort of frantic, I need to get this wine thing is what I heard, uh, which I have mm-hmm. experienced mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. Uh, but what has it changed for you with your kids and just your journey, you know, through motherhood? Oh, that's a great question. So in the very beginning um, probably in within those first 30 days, I realized how much I was missing out on that end of day connection with them. Yeah. Um, I would wake up in the, so I, when I was drinking, you know, I'd help put them to bed, read a story. And I would, I remember specifically thinking while I'm putting them to bed, do they know I had a couple glasses of wine? Am I slurring at all while I'm reading this story? Am I zoning out while they're talking to me? Like, and then I would wake up in the morning and I would just replay the night, their bedtime over and over in my mind. So I'd wake up with so much stress and anxiety and mom guilt over, over putting them to bed. Um, so in that first 30 days, putting them to bed with a clear mind and a clear conscience was transformative in our relationship. I like found what originally I found putting them to bed. So exhausting. They needed so much for me. I'd been with them all day. You know, why can't they just go to sleep? Why do they want to talk? Why, you know, why do they want to yeah. play? Um, and instead, now I was like finding myself laughing with them, engaging with them, like realizing how cute and sweet they were. Um, this is like, it was such a special time to be able to connect with them and to read these stories and snuggle with them. Um, and so I went to bed really feeling so much more joy. And then I would wake up in the morning just with a smile on my face or just like, yeah, and, and, not, and, and the smile on my face wasn't always like, lie it's not like some nights weren't hard um putting them to bed or I wasn't tired I would just wake up with just a peace in my heart and in my conscious that I was there for them and those memories like are actually I'm not are are not tainted by alcohol 
Um, and then after, I remember the first time that I was around someone, um, cause my friends and stuff, they still drink. And so I remember the first time I was around someone who had been drinking, just even like a glass of wine, I could smell it from a foot away. Like yeah. it was such a strong <laughs> smell. I was like, whoa, it hit me. That was the smell that my kids associated with me right before they were going to sleep every night when I was drinking. Yeah. And, um, and that hit me really hard. Um, and I was just like, wow, I am so grateful that that is not the story anymore. Um, and we are making new memories and rewriting, um, rewriting that story. Yes. Oh, that's so good. And so relatable for sure. So something I want to, to touch on, because I have a lot of clients that struggle with this. It was a real fear of mine was the loss of relationships that were tied to alcohol. So you mentioned like, it wasn't unusual for people to come over and have play dates during the day. And we would drink together, you know, mm-hmm. you open up, uh, you know, some wine, course, mimosas, whatever, you know, whatever it was. So Um, Tell me just a little bit about that. You said, you know, many of your friends still drink. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this fear that all of their relationships are going to go away. And I think when you have mature relationships, they don't care what you're doing. In fact, Mm -hmm. like everybody else, I still know for the most part that we hang around with still drinks and it doesn't bother me in the least. Yeah. They say it's not a problem for them. So I'm like, well, then it's not a problem for you. Like, you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I, I chose to stop drinking. I felt like similar to what you're saying in my soul, I knew this was not good for me. And that was the answer. I didn't need to take a test online to see if I was drinking too much. I knew what the answer was. And so, so I listened to my own inner knowing. And I think that's kind of what I heard you describe as there was this mm-hmm. inner knowing that was like, this is not for me. I am very clear about like not judging other people that choose to drink. I don't care if they drink. I do not care at all if they drink. And so, you know, sometimes people get a little bit, um, you know, especially on social media, we'll get a little bit like, oh yeah, good for you. And you know, you're so much better than everybody else. And it's like, no, I don't care what you do. I could care less what you do. All I ask in return is that you don't care what I do, which is that I'm choosing to not drink when I go out to dinner with you. And I have yet to have somebody that wasn't supportive. In fact, for the most part, I have people that are like, wow, I'm really proud of you. If there is a comment, Mm -hmm. it's usually because that person is evaluating their relationship with alcohol. And so I've learned that has absolutely nothing to do with me. So I don't avoid social situations now. I did early on because it was just, I didn't know how to navigate it. I wasn't sure how to do that. And now I don't avoid social situations or I don't uh, decide to not go to dinner with somebody who does drink because they're going to drink across the table for me. doesn't bother me at all. So, yes. and I know you and I share a love for like mocktails and other options, because I think you can still have fun. Like I love to have a special drink and something that's yummy and tasty. And I like to be included in that part of it with maybe a friend or, or whatever that looks like. I make mocktails all the time. And my husband drinks bourbon and I sit next to him and we have conversations, you know, it's like, it's completely fine. So I know that's been part of, of something you've talked about too, but there's so many ways to do this. There's just no one way. And so we've kind of figured out the things that, 
that makes sense for us. But I would love to hear about relationships and kind of what fears did you have around those relationships? How were those conversations when you first started telling people, hey, I'm taking a break from alcohol? How did they receive that? Yes. Um, so when I first, I mean, I agree. When you have mature relationships, they support, they're supportive of you. And um, I honestly cannot think of a single person who said a negative comment. Um, and if they had, I would have, you know, my thought would have been like, my lack of drinking um, is probably making them question and having to face maybe how much they are drinking. Right. right? right. Um, so it's not about me. It's about them. But to be honest, my friends were amazing. They were, they just would tell me, I am so proud of you. And I was really honest with them about why I quit drinking. You know, I didn't let, like, it wasn't serving me. Um, I just, I wanted to take a break. I wanted to do this parenting thing without needing alcohol. Um, and when they, in the beginning, um, for play dates and stuff, I actually different de-alcoholized wines and no secco and they came over and they had so much fun trying them and actually for them it was like there are options like this out there yeah. I'm so glad to know because if I decide to um quit drinking or take a break I'm so glad to know that these are out there um they would ask me to make mocktails for events and uh, I kind of just became like they're sober bestie that I yeah. could bring another, um, what's the word, um, layer to like these events. And it really actually made our get togethers more inclusive because there were other people out there who maybe didn't drink, just, they didn't grow up drinking. They're not big drinkers. And they felt like they couldn't join in because everyone was drinking. Well, now there was this whole other, like, we've got mocktails, we've got, you know, all these different things. So um, it grew, I would say it almost like grew our get togethers and brought in those who, we did not know we're feeling left out or like, un you know, very unintentionally. Um, and I will say a couple of my closest friends have watched me. I've had multiple friends watch me on, um, share my story on social media. And they will reach out and say, Hey, can we go out for coffee? Can we get together and talk? And yeah. they're, just, they're just like, your story has impacted me so much. Um, I'm drinking less. I'm realizing like how much I was drinking. And in the thing that's so beautiful about it is that there's no shame attached to it. They're right. just becoming aware and awareness is the first step. Like, right. <laughs> And once you're aware, you get a, you can make different choices, but there, there doesn't have to be any shame attached to that. You're observing and you're just going, huh? Okay. I didn't realize that. Hmm. I wonder what it would be like. Um, if, you know, maybe I didn't drink today. Hmm, let's try it and see. And I think curiosity is. Key. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so my navigating relationships has been um oh, it's been really beautiful 
a really beautiful journey. Um, we have, and then like with family get togethers, that was another place where it was very common for us to have alcohol. Now my um, uncle does not drink. He is um, a recovering alcoholic. And my grandmother, who's no longer alive, um, she actually died from alcohol. Um, so, and I have another aunt who um, can over imbibe, you know, mm -hmm. if the opportunity arises. And so we just decided, again, family gatherings, I just started, I started creating all sorts of mocktails, yeah. de-alcoholized wines, alcohol-free beer. We just stopped having alcohol at the event. And the, even though I, there are definitely family members of mine that still drink and they have a healthy relationship with alcohol, there was just like this peace that reigned in these gatherings now um, and joy and come to find out like my cousin's fiance doesn't drink anymore. And she, ha she wasn't very vocal about it, but yeah, being able to um, come to these events and have so many options really meant a lot to her. Um, my uncle, he, I think he, he, he felt cared for. And I, and that is so important. I think if they, people who don't drink when you are not like, Oh, here's some apple juice, enjoy. Um, they feel seen and valued and cared for. And, and so that also grows relationships. Right. Yeah. My husband asked me the other day, cause he used to always make us cocktails. Like that was his thing. And he's good at it. Like he makes some yummy mm -hmm. cocktails. And so he asked me the other day, since he hasn't really been drinking much either. He was like, Hey, do you want a cock or a mocktail? And I said, sure. And you know, we have a lot of, like, I've tried a lot of different, you know, options. Some of them are terrible. I'll be honest. Some of them are great, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so we've kind of figured out what we really like. And so he made me one and I was like, oh, that feels like love to me. Cause he, you know, mm -hmm. and then he did end up having a, a little bit of bourbon, you know, and it's like, okay, but he cared enough to see, like, I still want that. And I still want that time together with him. I just don't want the alcohol. Yeah, no big deal, you know, and I don't think we have to be restricted to just like only drinking LaCroix and like you said, apple juice or water, you know, I think yeah. there's so many <laughs> options out there I'm finding. I mean, I live in a, you know, fairly big city. I'm finding so many more restaurants that have mocktails on the menu. And now I just ask, like, you know, if they don't have it on the menu, like, can you make a mocktail? Every single one of them is like, oh yeah, we got this, this, this. It's just not listed on the menu. So now I've started yes. to get a little bit more bold. And I'm like, how about next time you actually put them on the menu? I actually think this could be like a good thing. There are lots of people that are sober curious um, for whatever reason, you know? So maybe, maybe put it on the menu. I don't know. You know, so it's been, it's been fun to sort of I, be in I the driver's that. seat of I, that. That tip. Yeah. 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 I think being in the driver's seat of it. And like you said, bringing, like bringing it there, like bringing the non-alcohol or alcohol-free options and making it fun. And like, you're in the driver's seat. You're not in a, like a, well, we'll see if they make anything or offer anything that I can have, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> yes. you know? Yeah. 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 So I love, I love that. What was the hardest thing? I know we've sort of painted this as like, oh, it's so easy. We both just read a book and we're done. It was so simple to do. You know, I mentioned the harder emotions that I had to learn to sit with. It's not natural for me. Uh, before we hit record, we talked a bit about the Enneagram. I'm certified in the Enneagram. So I talk about it all the time. 
And we both shared our types, which you said you were a seven and I am a nine and both sevens and nines actually tend to wear rose colored glasses. We're really good at reframing things to the positive and we don't like feeling harder emotions. We run from them. So I'm just kind of curious if that was also your experience or if that, that was not the hardest part about it. What was the hardest thing that you had to tackle and how did you navigate that? Yes. Um, good question. So the initial, obviously, I think, and you mentioned this too, those first couple of weeks, you are that, that time comes whenever you normally would pour that glass, right? It's the habit. Your, that craving is still there, even though you know better and you want to, you don't want it. Um, so those first couple of weeks definitely were challenging um, in that sense. But I had, so gin and tonics, like I mentioned, were a very common um, cocktail that we had. So I always just made myself a tonic and lime, like just tonic with lime. Yep. Hit the spot. Um, so that was definitely like just how I dealt with that afternoon or early evening craving and habit, um, with emotions. Yes. My, probably the biggest emotions that I was running from, um, were around the challenges with my children. So I homeschool my kids, so I am with them. all day, every day. And, um, my oldest at the time, gosh, she was eight. Um, and I had recently gone through a divorce. And so there was a lot of, and, and that was also another thing, you know, drinking, um, to forget, I I was divorced, finalized in, uh, 2018. We've been separated for a while and I got remarried in 2019 which is a whole nother story for another day. Um, (laughs) But there was definitely a lot just that I was helping my kids process through and we were walking, I was walking through with them and it was hard and I had to be able to sit with their emotions. Um, And then, you know, and hold space for them and not numb myself. And so that definitely, um, was challenging, but instead of focusing on, I have to feel all these emotions. Um, and, and I just don't want to, yeah, I was focusing on what I was giving them, which was the space to process, um, what they need to process and the validation that it's okay to feel these feelings and, and remember Like I'm trying to teach my children. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad, but I wasn't, a very good example of that and so I just it was that perspective shift of like okay I don't want my kids to feel like they can't feel things um so I am going to show them how like I feel emotions um yeah it was it was challenging and I would you know uh mocktails my husband and I would end the day having tea. We still, we have tea together every night after the kids go to bed. Um, and building that habit, we'd usually watch a show that just made me smile again, feeling that joy, um, focusing on all the joys in my life instead of 
run from these bad emotions. Look at all of these great things. And I get to focus on that and I get to laugh and, and be um, present for it. And so that was uh, really a great change. <laughs> I have felt happier since, the, since I quit. Um, the other challenging thing was definitely events like weddings. And yeah. Yeah. I had a wedding that I went to in July of 2019. And I was really nervous. It was my first wedding, of, first event um, around. I had never been to um, a wedding that I hadn't you know, consumed alcohol in years. <laughs> I Like, what is this going to be like? And like, you know, how is this going to work? Um, at that point, did, I don't think anyone at that wedding knew I wasn't drinking. So it was just this very um, foreign idea. So on our way up there, I was reading um, through this naked mind. I had it on uh, Kindle at the time. And she gave this tip that was amazing. She, she goes, just close your eyes and just go, so what if I drink? So what? Like no judgment, no. So what if I drink? Oh, this is how I'd feel. Or, you know, so what if I had a drink? Well, I'd probably have another drink. Okay, so what if you have another drink? Yeah. Well, then I probably have another. So what if you did that? Well, then I probably would get in a conversation with someone and my tendency was to, I would make promises like, oh yeah, I can do that for you. Oh yeah. Sure. (laughs) I'd probably do that. I do that well then I would wake up the next day and I would have all this stress and what did I say to people what did I commit to so I walked myself through the whole thing with this so like okay so what I got to the end I was like yeah I don't think so I'm good um so going through that before getting to the wedding like on our way there made the event so much easier um they did have non-alcoholic options, just like um, kind of a LaCroix type of options, but it was fine. Yeah. I had, it was the best experience here. I was so worried. Um, and instead I had amazing conversations with people. I never once was like, oh, am I exploring my words? Am I going to, yeah. you know, do they, I never worried about that. I got out on that dance floor. I love dancing at weddings. I love dancing period. Um, and I was kind of worried about like, will I, how much of, how much of that was masked through alcohol? No, it was this, the opposite. It was like, wait, I am in a hundred percent control of myself, of my body, of how I move on the dance floor of like all of these things. It was empowering. Yeah. That's what I heard. The the word that was coming to my mind was, oh my gosh, you sound so empowered. Even even doing that thought work of like, so what, so what happens if I do that? So what happens if I, like, that sounds like you are in control of your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that is what I teach clients to do. Cause it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she, like that is a game changer. And, you know, up until I had my own coach six years ago, I didn't know that I could challenge my own thoughts. And it's like, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that's in your homeschool curriculum, by the way. I mean, I don't know if you're <laughs> gosh like what oh, a yeah. huge we, life lesson they like you are in control here yeah we do a lot of we're more about life schoolers than traditional sure. schoolers so we learn yes. a lot I through, love it through life but um yeah it, it ended up being the best experience 
Um, I had so much fun. Um, we, we got home. I felt good. I wasn't tired. I was just like, Oh, that was, I got to think about the memories. I still remember them. Um, nothing is in that alcohol haze. Like so many of my memories are so many, the good memories, the bad memories, they all have this dirt, you know, while I was drinking this haze, like, okay, who was there? What did we do? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So those are kind of like the three, the three biggest challenges I faced. Um, but I am a big believer in your thoughts, um, form your actions, you know, the, what you think, the words that you're speaking to yourself form your beliefs and what you believe will form your actions. Um, and so it was all about that thought work. Right. It was all about changing those perspective shifts, changing the focus from um, so focusing on all this heaviness I now had to carry. I got to focus on the joy of being um, someone who can hold space for others. Um, the joy that comes with, or just focusing on all of the joy that I got to experience, even in the midst of the hard, of the hard stuff. And just having those uh, perspective shifts really gave me the space and ability to also carry the hard emotions. Yeah. Well, I love to ask uh, clients that question too. So they'll say, like, sometimes they'll come to me and they'll say, I committed to 30 days and I ended up having two glasses of wine. Or they'll say, I, I planned two glasses of wine and I had three and they come to me and you can just see them in this like shame storm. And I just say, so what? Like, that doesn't need to, to mean any more than it does. And you can just see this like wave of peace that kind of is like, oh, I don't need to beat myself up over this. So in the same vein of, of thought work and challenging our thoughts, there's a lot of negative self-talk that goes on here when we are not meeting our goals with alcohol or wake up in the morning and we see the empty bottle on, on the table or to your point of you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, my kids, you know, maybe knew that I was drinking last night and I rushed through bedtime, you know, and then what's the thought behind that? I'm a, I'm a terrible mom. Gosh, like what a weight to carry to believe these nasty thoughts about ourselves. I mean, I have clients all the time that will say like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I stick to this? I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing everything else in life and I can't seem to figure this thing Mm -hmm. out, you know? And so I just think there's so much negative self-talk. So that's why I teach so much self-love and self-compassion and people think they're going to let themselves off the hook. Like that's the only way to move them forward is if they're just nasty to themselves and they push themselves forward. And I'm like, do you do that with anybody else in your life? No, you would never do that to your children. You would never say that to your friends. You would never say that to your partner. Why yes. in the heck are you saying it to yourself? You know? And so I think the awareness of that alone can be such a shift because it's like, no, I want you to talk to you like you would talk to a six-year-old that just came to you and said, I did something wrong and I feel really bad about it. You know, you wouldn't shame them further and say, you're horrible. You're never going to amount to anything, kid. You would never do that, (laughs) you know? And so I really teach people just to look at it as like, it's just information while you're on this journey. So if you, if you drink more than you thought you were going to drink, it's just information. Let's take the data and move forward. It's all it is. And they're like, oh, well, that feels a lot better than (laughs) all day of just beating myself up. And then by the time you get to the end of the day, what do you want to do? Run to the alcohol because you felt like crap all day long. (laughs) 
about not achieving this goal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, of course it's a vicious cycle. Yes, that is so true. So I think before I quit drinking, right, I would wake up with all these thoughts, like I can't, you know, beating myself up, um, you know, as they say, anxiety, right? I, how much did I drink? Did they know? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm such terrible. I'm not going to drink today. I would start yeah. the day. I'm not going to drink today. Um, and then as the day went on, you just, you continue in that cycle of unkindness to yourself to the point that you can't face yourself. You're just, you can't look in the mirror and, and you're so disappointed in yourself and you just, you're never going to get, you're never going to do this. Of course, you're going to drink. Of course, like you, nobody can live with that much self-condemnation. Um, and so when I quit drinking and I realized I was waking up without those thoughts, um, that alone made such a big difference because I might've been craving the drink at the end of the day. I did not have so much uh, self-condemnation and guilt and anger at myself that was just kind of hanging over my days. Um, and, you know, I, we're, I talked about when I got sober and I did not drink for two years. And since then, I know that it's a privilege for me. And I know you can relate to this as well. Like when we, ch- we chose to quit drinking because it wasn't serving us, not because, you know, we were um, identified as alcoholics or substance abuse, um, abusers. And after a couple of years, you know, I have had a few drinks. I think I, I can think of less than on one hand, how many times I've drank since, uh, yeah. the summer of 2021. And, but just the other day I was at an event and I had a couple glasses of wine and I woke up in the morning and I just, I did not yeah, I could feel that I had had alcohol because I never drink. Um, and at first, my first response was to beat myself up. Like that was like the default. Yeah. Uh, I can't, you know, oh man, I know better. I shouldn't. But instead, um, I was like, huh, it's interesting information. It's like collecting data. Yeah. And I think that for anyone who maybe you are trying to quit drinking and, or you're cutting back and you have more than you intended, or you drink when you weren't intending to think of it as just collecting data, collecting information. You're like, Oh, that's interesting. Be curious. Huh? And so for me, I was like, Oh, that was, that's really interesting how I feel. Huh? I wonder, you know, maybe I don't want to, uh, have a couple glasses of wine at, at, the next event, maybe I will stick with the non-alcoholic and just switching from, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that to curiosity um, as collecting information was just transformative. Right. And I never once like, you know, throughout my day, if those, if those thoughts ever creep started to creep in, I was like, nope, nope, nope. That was just information to put towards like the next time I just, I was collecting data. Good to know. Um, so I can make a more informed decision next time. Right. And that was huge. 
Well, and that's what the head is good for. So I think what we've kind of described is like, I think one of the really important things is we have to learn to balance the head and the heart. And so, you know, it's like, if we're in that shame, beating ourselves up, that is completely, well, typically the heart. I mean, the brain is telling us things that's creating some emotions around this, Mm -hmm. but when we can get back into the objective part of the brain, like what's the data here, you know, like, what is this telling me that can totally disconnect the personalization of I'm this terrible, horrible person, which can kind of take the emotion out of it. So there is definitely a dance between those two things of figuring out, you know, you know, how to measure both of them and kind of balancing them, like being like, okay, so I'm feeling this emotion. What's the truth here? What's the lie I'm telling, you know, all these, all these things. So there's definitely a balance between those two things that I teach a lot of clients just for like any issue, you know, so it's not even just around drinking alcohol. Um, but it's so interesting how much it comes back to uh, self-worth. I mean, I work the thought of self-worth with clients on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. it's so amazing to me that I'm like, oh, they came to me with this problem. And this comes down to basically I'm not worthy of love for this reason. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I mean, it's like, I've been doing this for three years full time now. And it's like, it's almost always about self-worth or some sort of love that they're not experiencing some unmet, unmet need, but it's not the thing they think it is, you know? So it's like, like they come to me wanting to stop drinking or cut back drinking. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, okay. So what do I got to do? Just tell me the things to do. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's way deeper than that. We got to get to the root <laughs> cause of this thing. And that is not going to happen quickly. And then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, ew. Like, I don't know if I want to commit to that. You know, the people that do, it's great because they're ready, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. really important. I think to our point of like how we did this, while it sounded somewhat easy, we were both ready. It just hit us in the right time at the right space. So I do agree with you. I think the curiosity piece is so important. I mean, I followed, I followed sober curious people years before I decided to do it myself, you know? And so keeping that in mind, if you're early on in the journey and you're just curious right now, that's fine too. take all the information in. And when you decide that it's right for you, you'll know. I mean, I just think you just kind of know it in your soul. I'm done with this thing. So I, I agree completely. And, and, you know, oftentimes it is that lack of self-love that, um, belief that you're not worthy. And sometimes, you know, having to get to that root of the lie that, that, um, was spoken over you that formed that belief that is, you know, what you're going to have to end up facing. And it's, that really is what you're numbing and escaping from. Um, often anyway, when, when you are drinking or overly drinking, drinking to, to get through your days or to, um, get through a situation. And I, you know, the right time is when you're, when you're ready and yeah. there should be, there's no shame around if that's not right now, right. like just, just learn from others, listen to other stories. Yes. And one day you will hear a story that resonates so deeply with you and you're going to be like, I think I'm ready now. Yeah. And it's going to be a, and then you will have a, uh, a beautiful story. Um, yeah. and I think that's when the ease, it's not easy, but there's an ease to it. Yes. When you wait for that time. Yeah. It's a, I want to do this, not a, I should, or, you know, I have to, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, I know I want this. 
So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting because I've shared more of this story on LinkedIn. I have a fairly like big following there just from my old corporate days and all of those things. And of course, like everybody's like, keep it professional, you know? And it's like, to me, real human experience in real life is professional. And we have to be Mm -hmm. able to incorporate that into our professional workplaces because we're all experiencing all sorts of challenges, not just with alcohol. So I've been posting a little bit more on it and, you know, it gets like some engagement, not a lot because people are just watching. I had so many people say, I saw your article on LinkedIn, or I saw this and they never mm-hmm. commented or liked it, but they read it and it made an impact on them. So I was just in a coffee shop last week and a guy that I have known for a while professionally, you know, stopped me because he was there and he's like, I got to tell you, you have inspired me. I stopped drinking January 1st. And, and I, I, when I saw him, I was like, gosh, he looks really healthy, you know? And he's like, I've lost 20 pounds, which of course, you know, men, like they stopped drinking and they dropped 20 pounds and like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he's like, and I just like, you really inspired me. I read your story. It resonated for me. And I appreciate you sharing that, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, that makes my, like my month, my year. I love hearing that, that just sharing that. So I think more of us need to talk about it. And that's another reason I wanted to invite you on is just to share our stories, talk about it more. It doesn't have to have this shame cloud over it. It's just mm-hmm. a thing. It was just, which is one of the things that I was choosing to use to help me get through life. And I decided I didn't want to do that anymore, you yeah. know? And, and so I, you know, it's just a thing. So, you know, I think there's a lot of shame around that. There's a lot of shame around food, you know, I think there's so much correlation between those two things where I hear, you know, a lot of women struggle with both. I certainly have at, you know, one point in my (laughs) life for sure. Uh, But then there's other things where it's like shopping, you know, like that's not, you know, I mean, that's, that can be total numbing, um, total numbing behavior, but it's like, that's kind of celebrated over exercising is celebrated. Being busy is celebrated. Mm-hmm. And so I think we just need to have more conversations to kind of level set, like, Hey, these are all just ways to cope with some of the struggles of life. No one way is better, worse, whatever it looks like. It's just the one we choose. So, um, so yeah, I just think these open conversations are so important because people just feel less lonely. Yeah. Yeah. When I quit drinking, I'll be honest, like at first, I mean, I, uh, let me know if you experience this sugar cravings hit like no one's business. And sure. for the first, in the beginning, I was like, it's fine. I'm going to consume the sugar because I, I'm don't, I'm not going to like cut out everything. Right. Um, and then I realized, oh, you know, at this point now I'm using sugar as a way to try to escape the feelings. Like I, it, it just transitioned. Um, and so it was a lot easier, you know, I knew I could, um, the emotions and all of that. So it was, it was an easier thing to quit, but that is true. Like you can find, if you're not careful, if you're not intentional, you will just sort of shift that escapism into something else. Um, yeah. So it's something to definitely like, there's so many ways that we all, we all escape or try to escape. Um, yeah. Yeah. Addiction transfers for sure. Sometimes I call it habit transfer because it's more relatable for people, but it <laughs> is a real thing for sure. I had tackled so much of this like deeper work when I decided to quit drinking. And so that actually didn't happen for me. Um, and I, I have tackled just all the numbing behaviors, all the ways I was escaping. And because of what I do for a living, I was really hyper aware of that, you know, where it's like, okay, this is probably going to come up at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think 
I, I think that we often feel like, well, I can't deprive myself anymore. I'm already depriving myself of alcohol. And I think where the, the switch has to happen in our brains is that alcohol is serving us in any way. You know, I mean, it's like drinking mm-hmm. is depriving yeah. me. The drinking yeah. was depriving me. It was the exact opposite that was really true. And so when I could pause and ask myself, what would feel like love right now? Not what would feel like deprivation, what would feel like love? Well, making myself a mocktail actually feels like love to me. You know, it feels fun. Mm-hmm. It, it brings me joy. That feels like love to me. Stuff in my face with a whole thing of Oreos. That doesn't feel like love to me, you know? And exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So, and that I mean, was a, definitely yeah. a mindset that helped me. Like, For like, sure. Wait a minute. Why am I, yeah. you know, wait a second. Like the first yeah. month. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. And I've talked yeah. to so many people who are like, all I want is sugar. I'm like, don't worry about that for your yes, first like, 30 I totally days. Like, agree. It, the day Just will come. Yeah. <laughs> you will be ready. Like once you've kind of gotten through this first 30 days, then it's a lot easier because you, you have the ability to think, you know, you don't have the alcohol fogging your, your right. mind. And so you can think like, mm, yeah, this actually is not serving me. I'm not feeling well. This isn't, a, this isn't loving myself. Like we'll just let's just do something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I appreciate that. And, you know, I mean, I appreciate you bringing that up because I don't think that, um, yeah, quitting alcohol solves all of our problems. Sometimes we feel worse because we are masking some physical symptoms of something. You know, I work with some women in menopause and they're like, of course I drink. I feel terrible all the time, you know, and they're, you know, you know, they don't sleep well and, you know, all the things that, that go on as we change. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that, you know, noting that of like, Hey, it may not, you may not feel amazing, um, immediately off the bat and you may have some habit transfer. There might be something else that you grab onto, just be aware of it. And I totally agree. I coach clients. I'm like, let's not tackle everything, you know, (laughs) cause then there's all clients that come in and they're like, okay, I've quit drinking and I'm also doing whole 30. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, (laughs) hold on here. Let's focus on one thing at a time. We could tackle the food thing. Actually, if we, if you do the deep work here, you'll tackle the food problem. Like that will be solved. So, um, it's hard for them to understand because I think that's just how we're, we're, uh, sort of, uh, socialized to believe like we got to tackle all these things. And if we want to meet our goals, we got to, you know, go all in. And it's like, no, maybe not. Maybe we just need to take a few turtle steps forward. You know, that's all we need. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's about the deep work. You got to go deep. Yeah. Not, like shoot this, shoot forward. Sure. Got to go deep and, yeah. and start there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation. Maybe I'll have you back. Cause I feel like we could talk forever and mostly it's just oh, me so that. far on the podcast. And I love kind of chatting through some of these and sharing the stories and just some of the differences too. So to your point, at some point you'll hear somebody's story and that will really resonate for you. And that might be the day, you know? So I just love being able to share more and more stories um, of women that are choosing to quit, or even if you need to quit, I think that some of the things that we shared were helpful too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Any last minute suggestions? I get asked this all the time since you are a fellow mocktailer and alcohol-free person. What is your favorite alcohol-free drink right now? Ooh, I probably my go-to um, kind of nightly is tonic with lime. I use about six ounces of tonic, a squeeze of lime, and one and a half ounces of the ritual zero proof 
tequila. Yes. I love it. It has that perfect amount of sharpness you, that makes you kind of think like there you're having there's alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's my favorite way to use that tequila. I, for me, I don't think it's a it's a it's not the kind that you're going to replace your margarita. It, right. It yes. has different um yeah. notes to it. But oh man, that is the perfect mocktail. And it's if you want to add make it a little fun, put some pomegranate seeds in there. So if you're especially if you're gonna have a party or something, it makes it very fancy and they kind of float up and down. Very fun. Um, so that is my favorite right now. I love it. Yes. I'm a huge fan of ritual. So I do some, it's called simple times, but it's, it's more of a Midwest thing. It was actually made in Ohio, um, but it's made for mixers and it's made for alcohol, but I use the ritual, um, alcohol-free gin and the tequila, depending on what they recommend. And it, yeah, I mean, it just feels so great to me. I love everything about it. It feels like love. Yes. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't need the alcohol, but I still want this. I don't think I, I need to, to give up the pretty glass and the, you know, experience of it. I just don't want the alcohol. And I'll tell you my brother, he, he drinks regularly and he was over and we made him one and he had no idea. He was like, he's like, are you guys drinking again? Cause it, cause of the, the yeah. flavor of that mocktail. Yeah. Um, I know not, that's not for everybody, right? Some, some people that can be triggering. Um, Correct. Or, so. yes, thank you for sharing that. But yeah. uh, it was, it's a really. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded of new episodes. Well, thank you so much. This is I not intended to be medical it. advice. This is for gray area drinkers that are wanting to evaluate their relationship with alcohol and so cut much. back or quit altogether. If alcohol isn't ruining your life, but it's certainly not making it any better, you're in the right place.